and we call and this awesome i guess we did get trail magic i lied we got trail magic probably two weeks <laughs> in we call up and uh trying to book two rooms and he said that uh pass through hacker came in before and paid for like the next 10 through hikers to come in and stay there for free and so um the rest of our family didn't really know and so <laughs> molly and i kind of uh lied to them saying we were going to be sleeping in an underpass uh in erwin tennessee and we get to uncle johnny's hostel and we like we surprised them with that and that was that was really awesome yeah a positive not going as planned Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, with no additional words today, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guests are Shark Boy and Lava Girl, known off trail as Danny Ironman and Molly McDonald. They're hiking the AT in this time of COVID, so of course we have to talk about it. Having started the trail pre-corona, they got off for five weeks, then circled back and continued north. In this episode, we visit the four-state challenge, the lucky and unlucky weather, can you say tropical storms, drive through windows, and how things never quite go as planned. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This is awesome. We've literally been waiting for this for so long. We're such a big fan of your podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to, to talk to you guys and to kind of see what it's what it's like out there right now. Absolutely. So I guess let's start it out with what's it like out there right now? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a strange, strange. Yeah. We started back on March and um, that was before the ATC put out anything. So our right. first two days, I guess, seems like the most really have we don't have a frame of reference. So to us, it seems like a pretty normal through hiking year. And then right the second day to, to just the trail emptied out and it seemed like a ghost town out there. We got a season and then we had to get back off because of the Great Smoky Mountains closing. Went home for five weeks, got back on May 6th in Franklin, North Carolina. And then we've been going ever since. So you were saying that you... Basically had gotten off for five weeks, was it? Correct. Yep. Okay. We're both from New Jersey, so we left. Uh, we went to Asheville, North Carolina, and then took a car ride home and was in quarantine for about five weeks. And you had to quarantine separately because you're each in your, your own family homes at that point. Correct. Yep. So that probably yep. felt a little then- strange because you had just been spending 24-7 together. Absolutely. It was, it was very strange. But, you know, we made it work. We quarantined for two weeks before we saw each other and then did very limited, I would say, for the most part, seeing each other until we got back on trail. Lots of FaceTiming and yeah. texting and on the phone together. And then you got back on the trail and have essentially been walking north. But mm-hmm. 
How has that been, I guess, for for you guys? Yeah, so luckily we actually met uh, two other guys that started the same day as us, but we don't we didn't know them at the time. But we met them six days into the trail, and then we all got off together. So it's been four of us in the tramley, and uh, we all decided to get back on together. So it's been nice to have that um, that group to be able to do this hike. It's been definitely an isolated year, so to have the three extra people has been a great morale boost. Have you been getting any nasty comments for being out there at this point? Honestly, not really. We have a like a really, really small following and friends and family, and they've all been super supportive, and they're all saying that it's the best quarantine to be out in the woods. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, anytime that we go into town and we're going to these small hostels and outfitters, they're honestly really happy to see us. They're happy to see that there still is a community out there hiking the trail. So we've had nothing but positive energy for the most part. Have, has it made you at all nervous? you know, getting either hitchhiking or getting, you know, Ubers or Lyfts off the trail and and then staying wherever you're staying in town? I wouldn't say necessarily nervous. I think it's made it a little more difficult. Definitely yeah. with hitching. No one, not as many people really want to pick you up because of just everything going on. But for the most part, it's not been too bad. I mean, we got finished with our four state challenge yesterday and but weren't able to get a hitch, but I just went down to somebody's house, knocked on the door, explained the situation, and they gave us a ride into town, no problem. So <laughs> yeah, <there's> people, <laughs> people out here have been super, super generous and kind and supportive. So how did the four state challenge go for you? <laughs> um, I don't recommend it to anyone. Um, uh, it was it was interesting. We didn't really know what time to start it. Um I know a lot of people like starting it at like two or three in the morning, just so they're beating a lot of the heat. We decided to be dumb and started at 11 a.m. <laughs> right what in the middle the? of the heat. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, had a, we had a hotel room in Harper's Ferry the night before and we wanted to sleep in. So mm. it was just bad decision after bad decision. And um, so we started at 11. We hiked, I think, 24 miles by, I think, 8.39 p.m. We slept for about five hours, woke up at 3 a.m., and then tried doing the other 20, kind of crashed about 10 miles in and had to take an hour nap break, and then finished it, and we lost, I think, by like a half hour. We did it in 24 hours and 30 minutes. But it was... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our bodies are actually okay right now, I think. We'll see. We'll see tomorrow. <laughs> how, many, now how many miles is that altogether? Yeah, so we actually didn't do, I guess, the most traditional four-state challenge. Um, I think from the Virginia northern border to the southern Pennsylvania border is 44 miles. I think we did 43 because we started in Harpers Ferry. Yeah, but one of our Tramley members, he actually hiked the mile back to the Virginia border and then went. So he did an extra mile on top of that and finished it no problem. I'm so impressed with him. <laughs> He's a traditionalist. Yeah. Yes. Sure. <laughs> is that the longest day that you've you guys have done so far yeah oh yeah i guess the second longest day we did a 30 miler into parisburg virginia and we had to take two days off because our bodies were destroyed from that yeah but we kind of ran the last 10 miles of that so we did about 20 realized we were only 10 miles out of town and when it was about like five o'clock and 
for me, at least there was a Dairy Queen in town. And so that kind of triggered my, I want to get into town and get ice cream. And so we basically <laughs> ran the last 10 miles into the town. <laughs> oh, the call of ice cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did 30 and kind of wrecked yourself a little bit. And you did 43 and, and change and are feeling pretty good. How long ago was the 30 mile? Harrisburg was mile 470, so that had to be almost oh, over 500 miles ago. Like so, over okay. like a month and a half? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely think our bodies are getting more used to the higher mileage mm-hmm. now that we're halfway through. But um, in the beginning, it was definitely tough, especially on the Appalachian Trail, trying to go anything over 20, 22 miles, just because of how how much elevation there is. It's been it's very, the physicality is tough. Yeah. You guys were off trail. Did you try to keep walking slash hiking? Yeah, we did. We did a couple solo hikes. I know I did some with my backpack on, but Jersey doesn't have a crazy amount of hard elevation trails to be doing. And it got a little harder because in New Jersey, they closed the state and county parks for a, a span of time. So then when we got home, they were open and about a week later they closed. So then we didn't even have that option. So for me, at least, it was a lot of um, working out in the basement, trying to keep the muscles going. Yeah, I agree. I was just trying to drive up to New York, like anytime I could, mm-hmm. to try to do that hike in. But the New York hiking was so packed. And I yeah. assume that it's still pretty packed since that's like the one activity people can really do right yeah, now. I guess we'll see in a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, you'll get to witness it. Yeah, Absolutely. So how was those first couple of days getting back on trail again? How did your body respond or react? Yeah, so um, I, I, know, I know it takes uh, people a few weeks for them to get their trail legs, but when we first got off, we were like slowly getting ours. And then the area that we got back on in Franklin, North Carolina, is like when North Carolina starts to become ridiculously hard. And so I think we had, <laughs> we had four... 3,000 foot climbs, I think in a span of like seven miles Mm. and our knees were destroyed from that. Um, It was definitely tough. We had to start, I think only doing 14, 15 miles when we got back on. I think we actually started a little higher. We probably shouldn't have. I think we started at like more like 16, 17 and our bodies were definitely feeling it, but we managed. And I think the trailings came a little faster than we thought they were going to, which was a really nice surprise. Yeah, as your body isn't uh, resisting you, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What did you guys do for, like, equipment for, like, packs and things like that? Yeah, so we both are rocking the uh, Z-Packs 64-liter R-Call Zip as our packs. I think we did, like, a good amount of research into it. Um, We're pretty happy with it. There's definitely a few issues with it at least on my end um mine broke so there's the the arc feature on the z-pack that like uh, bumps it off of your back so you have airflow in right. the back right but um one of the i don't know what you call one it poles one of the back. poles that arcs it uh splintered probably about 200 miles in but luckily z-pack was nice enough and shipped me a replacement one like within less mm-hmm. than a week so it's been good. Do you want to say? Yeah, I really, really love it. The airflow on the back is really, really nice because we're sweating so much right now. It's <laughs> the temperature in the 90s. <laughs> um, we both got the zip 
like features thinking that it would be really helpful, but then we ended up putting trash bag liners in the pack to help with some of the rain that we've been dealing with. So now the zip feature is kind of useless. <laughs> so if we had gone back and done it again, I probably would have gotten it without the zip feature, but I think it'll be nice. I've used it on one of our shakedown hikes. I used the zip feature and I did like using it. So it's a really nice pack, super comfortable when it's packed well. So the weight um, gets distributed really well on it. So I have I have two questions off of that. The first yeah. thing is, what is the zip feature? Because I guess I'm not familiar with this. Yeah, so on the front of the pack, it uh, zips open like a suitcase. Okay. So instead of having to pack everything from the top, you can open it up. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't think either one of us have really ever used that feature. I thought we were going to, and then we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you're just pulling every... Oh, because of the trash bag. So you're just pulling everything in and out of the top. Yeah. Anyway. Got it. Exactly. Okay. And... How long did it take you guys to figure out how to pack your packs? I'm going to call it properly, but efficiently, effectively. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, at least for me, I had packed it up a bunch at home with my gear, thinking I had it figured out, and then got on trail and realized I was doing it completely wrong for accessibility of what I needed in my pack. So I would say probably within the first two weeks, I figured it out pretty well. But it's definitely different when you're out on the trail and realizing when you need to grab something really fast if it starts raining, or if you're hungry and want to get out your food, and it's all the way at the bottom of your pack. So <laughs> it's definitely really just uh, getting used to it when you're working with it every day. Yeah, and I'm definitely a YouTube gear junkie in the sense I just love watching those videos. And so I feel like I had a pretty good grip on it before getting out on trail. But it's, it's definitely switched like crazy just by what you need in the morning, what you need at night, and mm-hmm. everything in between. So I guess since I've got both of you here for it, I guess talk me through how, Molly, you're packing your pack as opposed to, Danny, how you're packing your pack. Yeah, sure. So at the very bottom, I have my quilt, my sleeping pad, and my pillow. So that's on the very bottom. And it kind of, since those materials give really easily, you can kind of just squish it however you want at the bottom. And then I put my food bag down the one side and then I kind of squish it over and I stick a electronics and toiletry bag right next to it and my cook pot. And then on top, I put my, um, my clothing bag. So that's how I'm packing most of my gear. And then there's a big zip pocket on the outside of that. And that's kind of like the miscellaneous junk drawer in your home. I kind of throw <laughs> everything in there. <laughs> um, but definitely having my filter on top for easy accessibility. And also my hammock goes on top because I'm carrying an extra hammock as a luxury item. So every time we're stopped for at least an hour, I'm, I put that up and use it. So those are definitely the things that are on top. And then in these side pockets, I got my umbrella and my water and my Talenti jar for when I'm cold cooking. Where do you, where are you keeping your rain gear? Oh, that was on the outside of the pack. So I have my rain cover and my raincoat and I roll them both up together and it's just a little strap on, on the very top of my pack. So anytime it rains, it's right there to just pull off and attach onto my pack. I do have to say, since you, since you mentioned rain gear, we got rid of our rain pants real fast. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) We had frog togs and, uh, I think since we had to get off trail and the weather got really hot really fast, I think the first week we got rid of our rain pants, just you throw that thing on and in two seconds you're sweating. Plus, literally the first time we used it, they both ripped. Yeah. So anytime you're, you bend down to get anything out of your pack, the whole bottom of the pants just ripped open. So it wasn't really 
serving a purpose anymore. Honestly, the rain jacket was working more as a, a windbreaker for when it was cold and windy. So that's more what I used it for when it started getting hot. And now I haven't used it in a week. I should probably get rid of it. <laughs> I just keep holding on to it in case I need it. In case it suddenly gets cold? Yeah. Yep. And what about you, Danny? Um, yeah, so I have the same foundation as Molly. I have my quilt, my sleeping pad, and my pillow on the bottom. And then above that, I am carrying a tent that we're both using together. So I'm carrying the tent. And then uh, right next to that's my toiletry bag. Above that is my food bag. And then above that is uh, a miscellaneous items bag that I need. And then above that is my clothing bag. And then when my food bag gets light enough, I swap the clothing bag and the food bag just to put the heaviest item right in the middle, mm. right where my back is. And you found that that works. I mean, I've heard I've heard that structure before from other people as well, but you've found that, that having the heaviest thing in the middle of the pack instead of the top or the bottom is working best for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to put the food bag on top just for accessibility purposes, but then we started carrying four or five days of food. And I just felt my whole body just being pulled back, trying to go uphill. Mm-hmm. Definitely <laughs> having it in the center of your, path, your back is the best place for that, I've found. I, I can only imagine as you're going uphill and you're feeling like the pack is literally pulling you backwards, how much fun <laughs> you Yeah, it feels like that a lot. <laughs> it, it's not uh, the, what is it? The, uh, the fable of, of Puds is not uh, lightly told. Mm-mm. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> Georgia was a really big, rude awakening for that. Just literally any hill that you saw or any mountain in front of you, there was no doubt that you were going to be going over it and then right back down and then right back up again. <laughs> how did how did you how much were you cursing it at that point? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Nine days we were in Georgia. I think it was sunny out one of the days. Um, so we had, I think, one view in Georgia, and the rest was just gray mist. Uh, um, not once did I think about getting off, but there were a lot of days where I didn't say any other words aside from curse words. Yeah, I was literally, I, just, I remember climbing Blood Mountain in the rain and Danny had gone on ahead of me and I was moving very slowly. And every time I would turn a corner and see white plays, I was just flipping it off. <laughs> <laughs> like that was, that was where I was at. <laughs> and then get, especially getting to the top of that and then it being completely foggy and then seeing the photos of what our other friends saw on trail when they got there and being like, are you kidding me? None of that. <laughs> Did you feel a little bit like the, uh, the universe was messing, the universe was messing with you? Yeah, absolutely. One one good thing, though, is when we got back out on trail, I think we had, uh, aside from the first and second day we got mm-hmm. on, we had, I think, 22 days of summer. Yeah. Like, we saw every single view going through the Smoky Mountains. We had every single view above that. Like, we were so blessed. We did really get really great weather. Um, until the tropical storms. Yeah, we had about three tropical storms coming through Virginia, and it rained nonstop. So I think it was trying to make up for all of the nice days that we had had prior to that. <laughs> they said they got to even it out somehow. <laughs> yeah, but if if you're getting rained on by tropical storms, I have a feeling it's not just raining. It's pouring. It's yeah. Windy, oh yeah. It's lightning storms, thunder. Yeah. yeah. 
It's interesting. We got about, I think, six straight days of just downpour rain. Um, we were in the Dragon's Tooth, McAfee Hub, Virginia Triple Crown area, and we had to skip Dragon's Tooth just because there's so much, um, like, ledge walking and ridge. And yeah, it's basically a big rock scramble you have to climb down, and everything we had read about it was basically saying, do not do this in the rain. So we ended up bailing on it and waiting out at Four Pines Hostel, waiting out some of the weather to hopefully get back out and see the other views. Yeah. Was putting up and sleeping in a tent or have you guys been mostly staying in shelters? Yeah. So we started with our tent. We love our tent. We have um, a big Agnes uh, UL3 Tiger Wall. Okay. Um, and it's amazing. The, people said, don't, if you're, if you're going as a couple, don't do the UL2 just because, um, it, it fits to small people. And so <laughs> we're definitely wanting the extra room yeah. in case we're putting our packs in there, what else, what, whatever else we were putting in. So we, um, we used that probably for the first month and a half. And then once all those tropical storms started hitting, we just started shelter hopping. And honestly, we're kind of lazy at this point. So we're shelter hopping. Yeah. And what was nice about this year is that there aren't that many people out on trail. So when the four of us get to a shelter, there's a really high probability we're going to be the only ones there for the night. So we're not stressing about, oh, I need to get to the shelter by this time because it's going to fill up before I get there. So that's actually a little perk of this year, I would say. The trail is a little more empty, so you get those shelters to yourself sometimes. Yeah. How has it been in terms of like trail magic or trail angel type of stuff? Yeah, I... I um, we didn't really get any, I think, in the first three weeks we were back out. But once we hit Waynesboro, Virginia, and the Shenandoahs, um, we've had this nonstop trail magic. It's it's like too much almost. It's been amazing. <laughs> it's, been, it's been really it's been really really sweet to see all the people back out there, and um, we're a part of the Facebook group, and a lot of the trail angels are reaching out asking where a lot of the bubbles are this year, and they're providing awesome trail magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is there actually a bubble this year? Yeah, kind of. They're like bubbles with 20 people. Um, So we know we're catching up to one actually right now. Um, We're about, I would say, only two or three days behind them, a group of like 15 people. And then there are some people that are behind us, I'd say probably about 10. So they're very isolated pockets, but they are there. A lot of times you kind of see your bubble when you get to a hostel. So if you zero, you're seeing somebody maybe leaving that day when you get there and someone comes in when you're leaving. So you're seeing people more around that area than when you're out on the trail, but there definitely are little bubbles. Yeah, the towns and the hostels are definitely like the community meetup spots. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you're seeing all the people that you haven't seen in the past few days. And um, yeah. Hmm. I guess I just, I know that you guys are not the only ones out there, but I it feels a little bit like you are. And so it's so funny to hear about like bubbles of people. Yeah, we didn't really see a ton of people until we hit Hot Springs, North Carolina. And we stayed at um, Laughing Heart Hostel, which is right there. And that's when we really started to see people. There were, I think, about 10 of us staying at the hostel. And all of us were just so excited to be seeing other people there. Yeah, the first night, it was just the four of us. And then the second night, people just started piling in. Mm-hmm. And it's some of the same people that we've been seeing for the past like 600 miles. Yeah. What's awesome about this year is the connection the personal connection between the the through hiking community and the through hikers in it is um it's just so much more than prior years mm-hmm. i can't speak yeah on experience. well 
when you see somebody on on trail, you're just so like excited and enthralled that somebody is there that you can talk to. I know when we met at the, we met this guy named Mr. Jenny at the hostel in Laughing Heart and he got there and he was like, man, you guys are the first people I've seen in 10 days. I thought I was the only one out here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Especially like our first, our first week back out on trail, we saw one through hiker out there, but the farther and farther we go, the more and more people we're seeing, which is really encouraging. It, it definitely makes it super meaningful when you see people. Yeah. How many, how many kind of day hikers are you seeing out there? We haven't seen too many day hikers in Shenandoah. We saw way too many through hikers. <laughs> so many. Or through hikers, day hikers. We also were in the Shenandoahs during the July 4th weekend. Mm-hmm. So oh it was, um, it was pretty chaotic. Yeah. But- uh, at the major trailheads, we're seeing a lot of day hikers, um, but mostly, actually, we've been seeing a lot more section hikers, mm-hmm. people that have been trying to chunk out the trail. Um, I don't know if it's because of the special year or they've been doing this over the course of the past few years, but yeah. a lot more section hiking. Well, I was surprised, like, seeing your Harper F- Harper's Ferry photograph mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing the you guys are number 1209 or at that point you were 1209 and 1210. Yeah. Yeah. We were 1209 and 1210. And I think, um, the AT down at Amicalola stopped giving out tags after I believe it was like 1350. So we were like one of the last hundred through hikers that I guess were recognized before they started shutting things down. I, I guess I was just yeah. surprised that there were even that many people on the trail or that had started the trail. Yeah, it yeah. was actually really funny. When we got to Amicola on the 16th, um, we were like signing in and everything. And the lady there said, uh, she said something along the lines of like, uh, this usually is like the start of the bubble, but you guys are like behind the bubble this year. Like the bubble started like March 1st, end of February. Mm-hmm. Like people are on trail. So it was, I was, I was really curious to know, and it's kind of sucky that, we can't really see, yeah. but I was really curious to know how many people are actually going to be attempting a through hike up to AC mm-hmm. this year. We've kind of thought, we're trying to gauge how many people, and we think there's, what, about, like, 600 people out here, I think? I would say less, like, you four, think less? 400. 400? Mm-hmm. So definitely okay. a small year, so it'll be interesting. I know that the hiker yearbook, the through hiker yearbook, is still a thing this year. It is happening, so hopefully that'll give us a little bit of a clue once we're done how many people were out here, but... Yeah, definitely a small year. It's like starting the trail is what it feels like when people are in New Hampshire at this point. We're already at that point. Yeah. And and those are numbers that I would more expect at this point or in yeah. this yeah. year, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably more like what the the trail felt like 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you guys have had some issues with injury. Yeah. Um, for the most part... <laughs> Actually, before we got off trail, I was dealing with a really bad knee injury. I didn't know what was going on, but I couldn't really put any pressure on my knee going into Franklin, North Carolina. We had to take a zero for that. And then, you know, the usual plantar fasciitis, aching blisters. knees. We're both wearing, yeah, blisters. Uh, actually, for the most part, no blisters. Yeah, none of, mm. Neither of us have had blisters. Yeah. So we've been really thankful. Yeah. <laughs> Watch now we'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> you better start knocking on wood. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, at least for me, I think that 30 mile into Parisburg, um, I actually started getting turf toe. We were rocking all, we were rocking ultras and we, we liked them at the time, 
but they're just such a flimsy trail running shoe that right in the toe box, I love how wide the toe box is, but it was just so flimsy on my toes. And I'm, uh, or I used to be a runner, so I'm always on the balls of my feet. And so I was putting so much pressure on, on my toes into that, into Parisburg. And so, um, I developed a lot of pain in my big toe. So we switched footwear and now we're both rocking hokas and we love our hokas. Best decision that we've ever made was wow. switching to those shoes. <laughs> but it's just a, it's just a little sturdier. <laughs> yeah. But hokas, hoka what? Speed goats or? Yeah, speed goats. Okay. Yeah. They're just the cushion on those shoes. It's like walking on clouds compared to ultras. You barely feel the rocks at all. And yeah, especially now that we're in the mid-Atlantic, like mm-hmm. it's rock central. And so we're really happy to be going over over those rocks with something just a little sturdier. Yeah. And I don't know, but Molly, the, a lot of those pictures of you look like you're sporting a sunburn too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually part of the reason I got my trail name, which is Lava Girl, is the first couple days we were out on trail, I it was March and cloudy, and I didn't think I really needed to worry about sunscreen. I got super sunburned and then developed sun poisoning all over my oh. forearms. It was not fun at all, and I've just continued to get burnt. I'm wearing sunscreen every day now since I've been back out on trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody always talks about the green tunnel, but... Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> We actually just aquablazed part of the Shenandoah yeah. River, and uh, I guess we decided to pick like the three hottest <laughs> and like clearest without any cloud day. Um, it was it was really terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got so burnt on my shoulders and on my legs and on my thighs. Hiking with a backpack on was absolutely miserable. Oh, yeah, especially going into that fourth state challenge right after being burnt on a, a raft was interesting. <laughs> that was wow. But have you had, do you wear any like long sleeve shirts or anything like that in order to try to protect yourself a little bit or just sunscreen? I was wearing one in the beginning when it was cooler out. I had a Columbia 50 SPS shirt that I was wearing, but honestly, I'm just sweating so much at this point that it's not worth wearing it. And the sunscreen's working. I haven't really gotten burnt in a couple weeks, which is record for me i would say um so i was wearing long sleeves but at this point it's just way too hot to be doing that same with me i'm just using sunscreen okay this is gonna sound like a really silly question but okay (laughs) i love how you're prepared for this danny (laughs) so if you're putting on sunscreen and you're putting on sunscreen every day like you're gonna get oily you're gonna get it's dirty Mm -hmm. it's and you're not (laughs) showering every day and like honestly that to me is like one of my not necessarily issues but one of my oh god how am i going to do that type of things okay my biggest fear coming onto the appalachian trail (laughs) was like showering and staying clean and just feeling good luckily the appalachian trail has just so many water sources that like we always try to camp near one and we always try to bird bathe like every day like get all the grease and grime off of us um, now that we're hitting Pennsylvania and the water sources are going down, we're kind of depressed mm-hmm. and afraid of what we're going to be like. But um, yeah, that's, I guess, our solution. We are, it is very, like, uh, I'm using her sunscreen and it is very greasy. Yeah, honestly, what I've been using, if we're not by a water source, is that I, I carry wet wipes with me. And that actually works pretty well. So I'll use two or three of those, wipe down my whole body at the end of the day, get all that grime off. And it, it works surprisingly better than I thought it would. So 
So that's at least what I'm doing at least every single night before I go to bed. That's the saving grace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, like in my head, I, yeah, that's one of those things where I just like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, this is why we started in March. <laughs> so we wouldn't be in the boiling hot heat in Pennsylvania in this area. But, you know, things don't go as planned and we're figuring out new solutions for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard that a lot about through hiking. They yeah, never go to absolutely. plan. No. Oh, no, not at all. Well, with our Aquablaze, we were supposed to do about 50 miles on the Shenandoah River after from Front Royal all the way into Harpers Ferry was the original plan. And we did it kind of a different way than what most people do. Most people go through a company and, you know, rent a kayak and go down. And we were like, nah, we're just going to buy rafts from Dick's Sporting Goods that cost $35 and hope for the best. <laughs> so we got about, I would say, 15 to 20 miles in before two of our rafts had giant holes and were filling up with water. So things never go quite as you think they will <laughs> out here. Has that been the most not according to plan that it's been for you out there or has there been other much more fun catastrophes? <laughs> I have one that happened. So um, one of the biggest catastrophes was as soon as we had hit the North Carolina border from Georgia, um, camping at Black Gap where that big gnarly oak tree is and it was raining. So we were like, you know what, we'll just cook our food under the rain fly tonight. And my cook pot has a plastic cup that goes on the bottom. And I heated up my water without taking that plastic cup off. And everything caught on fire on the cook pot and almost burnt <laughs> down the tent and the rain fly. And that was, that was a big issue because all the plastic melted onto the stovetop. So then it wouldn't light. And I had no way to heat up any water or food at all. And then oh. if that wasn't bad enough, um, I then went to hang my food bag. And the branch that I had hung it on decided to crack and fall as I was pulling my food bag up <laughs> to hang it for the night. So nothing ever goes as quite the way you think it's going to. Definitely a tough day for her. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I think that would be the day where it'd be like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go to sleep right now and hope that it all gets better tomorrow. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think I ate like a handful of goldfish after that. I was like, I'm not eating dinner and just went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Danny? Um, I don't know. Things going as planned. Um, oh, I have a good one. So we went to this is actually like a positive story, like a great story. My shin was like beat up and my other knee was beat up and we were going into Irwin, Tennessee. and we decided to call uncle Johnny's hostel and we were going to stay there just to rest up and recover. And we call and this awesome, I guess we did get trail magic. I lied. We got trail magic probably (laughs) two weeks in. We call up and uh, trying to book two rooms. And he said that uh, pass through hacker came in before and paid for like the next 10 through hikers to come in and stay there for free. And so, um, the rest of our family didn't really know. And so Molly and I kind of uh, lied to them saying we were going to be sleeping in an underpass uh, in Irwin, Tennessee. And we get to uncle Johnny's hostel and we like, we surprised them with that. And that was, that was really awesome. Yeah. A positive not going as planned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. But that's, that is a tad cruel, Danny. Yeah. A little bit. 
Molly was in on it. So oh, yeah. It well, we're good friends with our group now that we can choose them that way. <laughs> Honestly, the look on their faces when we told them was priceless. I, I wouldn't have done it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that at that point when you say, nope, we actually have beds and showers and mm-hmm. a roof. Like, yeah, yeah. you made their, it's, like, year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the little things. <laughs> in one of your videos... And I don't know if it's still like this, based on what's happening right now with with the COVID rules. But you have one of your videos shows you going to Taco Bell, but the only <laughs> way you can go through Taco Bell. <laughs> you want to tell that story? Yeah. So our first zero in Hiawassee, Georgia, um, we went to Taco Bell and obviously you don't have a car and they don't do takeout. So you have to walk through the drive-thru and Danny was a little nervous. I have no shame at all. And I was like, you know what? Who cares? I'll just walk through the drive-thru. I don't care at all. I want food. And so you come up to the window and the lady is, I, I asked the lady, I was like, hi, I don't have a car. Can I still order? And she just kind of stared at me confused and was like, I mean, I guess. Um, I proceeded to do that again when we were in Irwin, Tennessee. Um, so yeah, definitely interesting with some of the places with food. She also decided to do it again when we were in Paris at the Dairy Queen. <laughs> She's done <it> a lot. <laughs> Nothing will get in the way of me getting the food that I want. <laughs> this is your new your new favorite way to order. Yes, I think the look on people's faces, not only at the window, but the cars behind you is hilarious. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and in a different time, a different world, they would never allow you to walk through a drive-thru. No, No, not at all. (laughs) But now because there's really no other choice. Yeah, well, it's interesting. When we were in Daleville, uh, Virginia, one of our other friends tried to go through the McDonald's or it was a Wendy's drive through like that. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't take his order. So I don't know if it's a Taco Bell thing that they allow and a Dairy Queen thing, but not every fast food place was letting people do that. So that was interesting. And then the whole other side of it is that some of the other food places do have dine-in or outdoor seating. So it really right. is a case by case basis with a lot of restaurants. It was super interesting when we were going past the Smokies through North Carolina and Tennessee, and we were going in and out between the borders. Um, Tennessee was kind of a free-for-all. Everything was open in Tennessee. And then North Carolina at the time was still pretty shut down. So it was interesting to be going in and out daily mm-hmm. from both those uh, both those states. You're, you're sort of having to figure out the rules as you go along. Yes. Because yeah. Because state and, is different. And we're really curious to know what the rules are going to be going when we start going more up north into New Jersey yeah. and New York mm-hmm. and Connecticut. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm assuming that you guys are are carrying a mask with you and some version of hand sanitizers and that kind of stuff. Yes, ab- yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hand sanitizer is pretty hard to find on trail. <laughs> it is pretty difficult. Yeah, um, I get it in my resupply boxes from my mom, and that's about the only time I'm getting hand sanitizer. It's pretty sold out everywhere. <laughs> I am starting to see it more in the stores, but it's off-brand. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, that in like big containers of it. So then you're like, yeah. "Well, I'm not going to carry this giant container hand sanitizer with me." Yeah, and though I exaggerate, it's like it, one of those little three and a half ounce containers costs like twenty bucks. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, they are so expensive. Mm-hmm. What's been your most hiker trash moment so far? Oh, 
where to even start. <laughs> um, I, I definitely would say the walking through the drive-through is a hiker crash moment. I think the most was for me was in the Smokies. I had, I was trying to conserve water because I knew we weren't going to be camping by a water source that night. And I was at lunch and I boiled water for ramen and I boiled water for ramen and to have a breakfast essential. And they were going to be separate. And I put the ramen packet and the noodles into it before I realized that I did not take the water out to have my chocolate breakfast essential. And so I ended up just pouring the broth into my breakfast essential. So I had this really salty, weird tasting chocolate drink, but you know what? I needed it. And so that's what I had to do. <laughs> a few ex- a little extra sodium for your diet. Yeah. I don't think I have a tra- hi- uh, hiker trash ball. What? No. Are you a real deer hiker? <laughs> no, I guess I'm not. I guess I got to get on it. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, nothing's coming to mind right now. I guess I'm not a thing. Well, how dare you? <laughs> you, it, you haven't been living the hiker trash life? I feel like I have. I feel like it's now the new norm, so I'm not really <laughs> thinking anything differently. <laughs> So it doesn't uh, feel unique or special. Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of become life at yeah. this point. It's definitely just a lot simpler. It just makes you really appreciate all the little moments and realize that you don't need a lot of things in general. Yeah, absolutely. I have to assume that in a in a year like this, and even just in general on the trail, but that it's been nice to have somebody with you who understands what you're going through. And so like when you have a low moment, there's somebody there to kind of help keep pushing you forward or to buoy that low moment. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's just been, I can't imagine doing this without her. Um, It's like, I'll have three good days and then a horrible day. And then she'll boost me up on that horrible day. And then she has three good days and a bad day. And then she'll boost me up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Having that support system has been crucial, I think. We've we've talked about it. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it without him either. A lot of the days, especially when you're tired and you still have God knows how many miles to do, and you have someone there saying, it's okay, you know, we got this, we can do it. It's definitely a big boost in your morale. And also, I think having the other guys, having four people, so even if one of us is having a bad day, like we have all of us to kind of keep the mood up and encourage each other. Yeah, we're definitely a family that likes hiking together. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some split off and then meet up again, but we're definitely one that likes to stick together and enjoys each other's company. Do you guys all have pretty much the same pace? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we do separate at times. Um, mm-hmm. We probably hike solo for like the morning and then probably like late afternoon, but mm-hmm. we always meet up for meals. And yeah, honestly, for the most part, we... Yeah, yeah. pretty similar pace. I'm really happy that we do have that pace, especially when we all had to get off and get back on together. We all had the same pace and we all started to get our trail legs at the same time. So none of us are super, super more speedy than the others. I would say Danny could go faster than all of us if he wanted to. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy taking time. Yeah, but yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Did you know that going in or was it just a happy accident for you guys specifically? Oh, well, we had done a lot of day hiking together prior to this. Uh, And I think it helps also we're about the same height. So our stride is very similar, um, which is definitely a good thing. But yeah, for the most part, we did hike about the same pace, which for us us was a big blessing. Whose idea was it 
to do the AT? Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> was it was it mine? I think you started it, but I'm the one that asked to do it this year. Yeah. So uh, we took a we just graduated college. Um, so in 2019, so in April was our last spring break, and we decided to take like a hiking vacation down to the Smoky Mountains. And we did a section of the AT. I think we did Charlie's Bunyan, mm-hmm. and we didn't realize it was through hiking at the time. But we were passing a bunch of through hikers and just picking their brains and talking to them, and it really, um, it really like initiated my like. It, it, I had a bug then yeah. as a through hike. Um, I knew it was something that I wanted to do in the next few years. I didn't realize it was going to be something that I was going to do that next year. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think it was definitely something that was on my bucket list after seeing that. I had no idea it would be happening so fast. The way it happened is that we both graduated with music education degrees and we both got part-time positions for the fall for long-term substituting for high school choir. So we both worked from home from September to January and had the rest of the year off. And when we both finally had like solidified that we had those jobs, I said to him, you know what, if we want to do this, we should just do it now while we have the time before we're really settled into a career. So when you're saying September, you mean this September? Yeah, in a couple months, basically. Yeah, we graduated in 2019 and had jobs going into the fall and had the rest of 2020 off to do the through hike. So it was, so at that moment, it made sense to both of you to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's definitely, at least I'm not going to speak on her half, but for me, I was very kind of just burnt out in general Um, by the end of my. Uh, undergrad degree and so I was my coping mechanism would be to go out and hike and it honestly turned into a it was like a monthly thing that turned into a weekly thing mm-hmm. that turned into like an every other uh, every other <laughs> day thing. Um, so yeah it was just definitely something that was on our bucket list yeah I'm glad we did it I'm so happy that we did it this year honestly I wouldn't change a thing mm-hmm. it's been wonderful I know you guys aren't at Katahdin yet, but have you caught the bug? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're, already, we're already setting plans for the PCT and the CDT and the Terror and all of them. Yeah, it was funny when we got off and we were worried about whether we were going to be able to get back on the AT. The initial thought was, well, if we get back on in June, we could southbound the PCT instead. So it was already something that we had kind of been thinking about. <laughs> So Aaron, I have a I have a question for you. Okay. Um, you we haven't been able to follow your podcast for the past I guess few months since we've been doing this and running around and doing other stuff. Um, what are your plans for your through hike? I honestly don't know at this precise moment. There's certainly okay. not going to be a through hike this year. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, but. I don't know. I do want to do it. And so I'm kind of giving myself a window of, of within the next five years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't know if it'll be as simple as saying, oh, 2021 is the year or not. It's going to so much depend on what happens kind of work wise and, and that kind of thing. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much financial planning and mm-hmm. mental preparation and just so much yeah. that goes into it. I understand. Well, it's, and it's kind of, 
you know, I mean, I work in Hollywood and, and it's really, really slow starting back up and, mm-hmm. and people are very uncertain. And, and so I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was completely prepared to potentially be out of work for the rest of the year, possibly, you know, just because of the way things are working. Mm-hmm. You know, which obviously puts quite a quite a financial burden on things, and and that probably yeah. would eliminate being able to come out and hike next year, just Absolutely. because of the finances of it, if nothing else. So yeah, yeah. I hope you can get back out. Me, yeah, I hope so. So do I. I mean, I was so looking forward to it, <laughs> so ready. <laughs> and and what was and what was your start date? April fourth. Oh man, that's like when everything hit the fan. (laughs) Yeah, like in California at least, it hit the fan on the 19th of March, the day that we'll live in infamy. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, at that point, I was kind of like, okay, you know, there's like, there's two weeks. And at that point, you, I mean, who had an idea of what a pandemic was actually going to mean? But, Mm you know, there's like, okay, there's two weeks, we'll figure it out. And you know, two weeks, it'll kind of settle itself. And I'll still be able to do it. I'll still be able to do it. And then obviously, it went to hell in a handbasket. So yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of nervous anticipation leading up to when we left too. I know, like the night before we left that we were talking to my dad, and he was like, you know what, like, maybe you should think about holding off. Maybe you shouldn't go. You never know what's going to happen. You need to go in with the idea that you're going to have to probably get off at some point. And at that point it was the night before we were leaving and we we're like, absolutely not. We're going to we're gonna try and do this. I like you wait for so long, but yeah, then we, we did have to eventually. So it's, it's yeah. hard. Well, and I, I feel like I guess you guys were lucky to be able to get back to only be off for five weeks and, and be able to get back onto it and still realistically be able to finish this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. You know, barring anything else happening. Yeah. We're pushing the boundary a little bit with our end date, but I think if we keep the pace we're going, we'll be okay. Are you guys die hard, non flip flopping, all has to be continuous miles type of type of people? Heck no. No. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, we're not purists. Um, we, uh, like I've mentioned before, we skipped, I guess, 15 miles around Dragon's Tooth. We also skipped since our, our rafts kind of popped, we mm-hmm. skipped about 30 miles before Harper's yeah. Ferry. We also bike blazed in Damascus, the creeper trail. Um, so you know what, it's all about enjoying the experience that you are having and taking those blue blazes and enjoying the moment. So if we need to, at some moment, skip up, we will, but at least for the the near future, I don't think we're going to have to, you know, unless it gets unbearably hot and humid like it is right now and we get sick of it, maybe then we'll flip off. But I think it'll be more for that reason than the mileage. <laughs> right. It'll be the weather or a hurricane yeah. or something like that. Speaking of which, were you yeah. guys on when the hurricane came through? Um, which one? Which one? We, we had a lot of oh, so- storms. <laughs> um, I guess they probably were tropical storms by the time they would have gotten to where you are. Versus the yeah, hurricanes when, when they were. When they slept through Virginia, they were tropical storms at that moment, but it was basically three right in a row. So we were out there when that was happening, and that's when we were around Dragon's Tooth and had to take refuge in a hospital for a little bit. I guess it's lucky on that trail that access off the trail is so easy or so convenient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine being on like the CDT and being stuck mm-hmm. 100 miles. Oh, yeah. in the middle of nowhere no yeah. <laughs> definitely thankful for that 
are you guys ready for that kind of stuff? I mean, because obviously as you get further north, you get into some areas that uh, are quite remote. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're ready for it. I think we're good. It's not, it's not, we're not really taking too much advantage of the towns around us. I mean, we are, we're, we're stopping through them, but. Um, we're not relying every 30, 40 miles on them. We're, we're doing pretty big stretches of about 80, miles. 80 to 120 miles. Yeah. So. Yeah. The only really remote section we'll be doing is the 100-mile wilderness. And yeah. I've heard that that section, it's tough, but it's not like anything we haven't already done. So I don't think that should be too much of a problem. And honestly, okay. I think I think being out in the middle of the wilderness and being in those remote places is super cool and really freeing to just look out around you and see absolutely nothing. I think that's really cool. So I'm honestly looking forward to some of those stretches. Yeah. Have you had any encounters with the bigger wildlife? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've seen 14 bears. Yeah, I think 14 black bears. We've seen just an abundant of wildlife um mm-hmm. i guess the one great thing about the traffic being low on the appalachian trail this year is that the wildlife is out and about and so we're kind of stumbling across a lot of it it's we, been it's been really awesome to see we had a bear nether tent um right outside damascus <laughs> do you want to tell that or? Yeah, yeah can i tell it yeah so we um we were right outside of Damascus and we were sleeping that night and I woke up around 2 a.m. hearing just a grunting and I, I open my eyes and I look out the rain fly and it's just a nose like right on the rain fly like hitting into the tent and um, I had I guess like sleep paralysis like I just couldn't yell at the moment so I nudged <laughs> Molly in her sleep and just told her to start screaming. <laughs> <laughs> <He started screaming. laughs> I was probably screaming at this bear. <laughs> um, and he circled our tent for, for quite a while. Some of these bears are pretty, um, they're not afraid of you at all. <laughs> Which is so interesting because everybody describes the black bears as like big squirrels. They are. Like, when, you yell, when you yell at them, they do run away. Like I've never been afraid encountering mm-hmm. one. But um, at least around the shelter area where they're more accustomed to food, they um they're pretty not not aggressive but they're um they definitely will They'll go after your food. We yeah. had another occasion when we were in Tennessee that we had hung our food up on the bear cables that were provided at a shelter, and not even five minutes after we had climbed into our tents, you heard these giant thuds on the ground, and a bear had been like up on his hind legs trying to get at the cable food and just like dropping to the ground. And again, we had to yell until he would go away. So definitely around the shelters, they know there's food and they will, they're not afraid to go after it. Which would say to me that I'm sure that you guys are very diligent about hanging your food. Um, <laughs> in the beginning, yes. Now that we're shelter hopping, we're kind of hanging it um, above the shelter, just honestly more for the mites rather than mm-hmm. the bear. A lot of through hikers or past through hikers that we've encountered um, have have told us that they don't really hang their food bag. Yeah, they use it as a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're they're more afraid for the mice rather than the bears. They definitely say it's. Uh, what am I trying to say? They're they're um, they won't they won't try to aggressively get your food if you are standing between that and the bear. It's kind of like an animalistic attitude towards it. If you start yelling at them fighting for your food, they're going to think it's too much work and go away for the most part. But every, 
every time we have it on our food, I don't think we've had any bear encounters mm-hmm. at all. So only time we slept with the food in the tent was when we were aqua blazing and we were sleeping on a riverbank and there weren't access to trees. And at that point we were like, you know what, whatever, we're on a river, we'll deal with it and just slept with it. But yeah, especially in the shelters, I don't think there's much to worry about. As long as you can yell at the bear, he'll go away for the most part. How have the mice been? Not bad. We've and, heard them, but we haven't seen them. Yeah, they haven't been that bad. I, I know neurovirus is what most people are afraid of in regards to that. And I guess since it's been so empty, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a lot of people to pass around neurovirus. Yeah. And luckily, none of our family has gotten it at all. And yeah, yeah it's been it's been pretty I safe think, so far. Yeah, I think the only time was when we were in the Shenandoahs, we slept in a shelter and you could hear them squeaking and running around. <laughs> it was up in the middle of the night. They sounded more like rats than mice. I don't know if there are rats in the Shenandoahs, but that's what I thought they were. Um, and then the one time I think I saw a mouse, like a tiny mouse crawling around a shelter, but they haven't really given us any problem. Okay, now why, Molly, do you know supposedly the difference in sound between a a rat and a mice and mice (laughs) i don't they just sounded so big like they were so loud and i don't know i guess i haven't really heard a mouse squeak and so i assume they're tiny but that could be completely wrong um i just thought they sounded more like rats from the way they were moving around but that could totally just be my ignorance there Here, I thought you were going to pop out this story of like. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> the loudest creature that we've encountered was a frog on the bank of the river of the Shenandoah. He sounded like he was screaming at the top of his lungs. And we heard him basically swim up to the riverbed where we were and then proceed to go around our tent just screaming at the top of his lungs. It was a little hard to sleep there, but I would say that was probably the loudest animal that we've encountered. He was serenading. Oh, yeah. How has your sleep been while on trail? So the first two weeks were absolutely terrible. I think um, I, everyone has told me that sleeping is just terrible in the first week and you're just going to be exhausted the entire time. But Maybe it's just because we're so tired all the time, but once we get into our tents, we are out like a light. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both using uh, Thermarest Neo Light. Yes, th- Neo Air X Light, that crinkly yellow yeah. thing that everybody uses. That's noisy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's comfortable and it works, and um, we're using Enlightened Equipment quilts. We're not really using those quilts anymore since it's so hot now. So we've switched to sleeping bag liners, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, the Thermarest Neo Air, whatever it's called, works really well. I'm a side sleeper, and I think Danny is too. And yep. so, honestly, they work really well. You're not hitting the ground. You're definitely waking up a little bit throughout the night, but at this point, not more than probably two or three times. <laughs> I love how you say that so casually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say the best sleep you got was when you slept in my hammock at the campground in Shenandoah. Yeah, when this hike ends, I'm going home and I'm buying a hammock because <laughs> those things are amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Now, why haven't you broken out the hammock to sleep in? Uh, I don't have a bug net to go with it so I've ah. been, or a tarp, and so I've been a little wary of it just because I know it's such a mental thing, but having the rain fly and being in a tent 
me feel safer than just being out in the open, exposed okay. from animals and bugs. But I don't know. I'm I'm thinking about getting a bug net and just sleeping in it at this point because it's getting so hot and I'm so tired so much of the time that I want nice sleep. Yeah, I, I feel almost like a hammock would be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's super comfortable. It is comfortable. It hugs your back perfectly. Yeah. Does it get you enough airflow breeze? Yeah. Um, I what have you have? Yeah, it's a hummingbird hammock. It's super lightweight, which is why I have it with me. It only weighs five ounces, so it's kind of like a luxury item that I'm carrying. Um, and the whatever the material is that it's made out of, it it's cool to the touch. So when you're laying it, you honestly get colder. So at least right now in the summer, it's great because it cools your body temperature down. In the winter, I could see that being a problem more in the fall, yeah. but at least for right now, it's it's really comfortable to lay in. You, you said it was a hummingbird hammock? Yeah. Yeah, hummingbird hammock single plus, I think is the one she mm-hmm. has. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you're not using it more. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, what is your trail name? My trail name is Shark Boy, and it's going off of Shark Boy and Lava Girl is a really terrible, terrible 2000. <laughs> to uh, movie. movie with yeah it was a horrible horrible movie but um uh, again then the first eight days it was raining i had shorter hair at the time and my hair was like spiked up in the rain and it, i guess people said i looked like him and so i just kind of stuck with that so mm-hmm. yeah not too interesting of a sound <laughs> story but i think you look like him especially when the hair spiked up because it was so short it's um the character is played by a the teenage taylor lautner so <laughs> he, I thought he resembled him. Um, I can see pretty it. well. Yeah, yeah. But it's spelled B O I or B O Y. Yeah, and Shark Girl is going G U R L or Shark Girl, Lava Girl. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, Lava Girl. <laughs> Lava Girl is G U R L. I don't know why we want that, but it's just fun. Thanks, <laughs> Eva. Yeah. <laughs> who gave who the trail names? I think Shark Boy came first, and that was, I think, our third day out on the trail. We st- I started saying that that would be a cool trail name if we didn't find anything else or nothing else happened. And then when he was officially deemed Shark Boy, it seems fitting for me to be Lava Girl since I was with him. And then between the almost burning down the tent and the sun poisoning and just overheating constantly and turning pink, I was then very fit for the name Lava Girl. It feels like you shouldn't have anything to do with fire. i'm just saying yeah probably not (laughs) was there any other trail names that were proffered or did you kind of just settle on these and and run with them do i say you mind if i say it (laughs) oh this is gonna be a good one yeah go yeah yeah, yeah, okay so danny has insane allergies um especially with the seasons changing and constantly going through different landscapes and so he's constantly blowing his nose on the trail and he finally stopped using leaves and toilet paper because it was just getting annoying. So now it, he just can blow his nose and all the buggers come out. So we were calling him snot rocket <laughs> a little <laughs> bit, which I thought was really funny and fitting, but we kept the shark boy, but that was another one we were toying with. <laughs> I was not going to allow that. <laughs> um, do you have any? We thought about calling me Hiccup because I was hiccuping constantly the first week out on trail, but then that went away, so it didn't seem like it would work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, yeah. since you guys are a duo, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, 
do work yeah, very well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and people remember that like, really, really well mm-hmm. on trail. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people, when they hear it, they think it has something to do with Hawaii is what we get a yeah. lot of the time. And then we have to be like, oh, no, it's a bad movie from the 2000s. <laughs> Actually, that's when you rudely awaken them to the, yeah, we're just from Jersey. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's also funny because either our age group recognizes the, the name or, or the 40, 50-year-olds recognize the name because their kids have watched it and mm-hmm. they've had to sit through it. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was your, what has your experience with hitchhiking been like out there? Honestly, pretty pretty good yeah the only time we've really had to hitch was going from the trailhead of charlie's button in the smokies into gatlinburg and especially because i'm a girl so people are more willing to pick a girl up a lot of the time we didn't have too much problem i think within 10 minutes not even we had a ride into town um i'm trying to think about the other times that we've hitched yeah but she's definitely our trail life yeah (laughs) (laughs) we are we are reaping the benefits off of her. She's sticking out her thumb and then we're piling on behind her. <laughs> Do you guys hide out behind the signage or something like that and the, the tree? And then when she gets just, them to stop, you suddenly flow out? Just acting nonchalant, like not we're not a part of the group. Yeah. And we stand up with a backpack. <laughs> Was there any nervousness about hitchhiking at the beginning? I, yeah. I, I guess since Newfound Gap is such a populated trailhead there were Mm -hmm. so many cars coming but it was also a big parking lot so it didn't feel super uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because people were going slow around the bend anyways um so i I don't think so for the most part no because i mean we have each other so it's not like there's only one of us getting in a car with a random stranger so i think that definitely um lowered the level of nervousness about it i mean yeah obviously you're getting you're getting in some random person's car and that's a little strange but for the most part, when especially on the AT, people know what the AT is, that they're passing it a lot of the time. And so they're used to seeing through hikers come through and picking them up. So it hasn't really been too nerve wracking for the most part. Who knows once we get up north? I know <laughs> Jersey, New York area, who knows if we'll get picked up by anybody if we need to. Probably not, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> A few extra miles. Yeah. <laughs> What's been your favorite like hostel or hotel or that kind of experience? Just because it was the first time that we met everyone, I'm going to have to say mine was Laughing Heart Hostel in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Also, the town of Hot Springs in general is just such a beautiful town. It's like tucked away in the foothills of Appalachia. And we got it on like a really cloudy day. So like the clouds were going in and out of the green hills. It was so beautiful. And um, whoever runs the hostel wasn't there. But the caretaker was such a sweet guy. I think his name was Denim Tortoise. Denim Tortoise. Um, yep. He's an amazing dude. I think he hiked a part of the Great Discovery. No, what trail? He started on the CDT and then got on the Great Discovery Trail and came all the way over, hopped on the AT, and then walked into Hot Springs and never left. Yep. And uh, wow. so he had he had a bunch of cool stories. Yeah. Um, and, and then we met all the other through hikers mm-hmm. that we're now kind of bouncing around with. So that has, has to be mine. Yeah, I think mine was Black Bear Resort, which is technically not a hostel, but it did have a bunkhouse. So we stayed in one of their cabins and there weren't any other through hikers there. But the, the couple that ran it, Jim, uh, Travis and Linda, they were just 
the most amazing and wonderful people and the place had so much character and charm to it. It had a river flowing right on where you were. And so being able to sit outside on a beautiful day and experiencing that river and staying in a really cozy little cabin was awesome. Yeah. And Linda shuttled (laughs) us from, um, Linda shuttled us to Subway and McDonald's and literally like every single single stop in that little town Mm -hmm. she shuttled us to. So that was really, really awesome. Yeah. I love that place. And you're getting in contact with all these people through like the Facebook or uh, through through gut hooks. Um, okay, everyone gut hooks. at all yeah all, at all the major trailheads, people are dropping contacts and names and places to stay. And- mm-hmm. Not only that, but there's also a lot of signs posted on the trail as well. Um, there was a really cool place. We didn't get to stay there. I think it was called Weary Feet Hostel. They had these little coupons at the trailheads where you could like open up a bag and it would say like five dollars off your stay at Weary Feet Hostel. So people are putting out signs on the trailheads and on the roads saying where their hostels are. So you can also get to see where they are that way. Yeah. Is but gut hooks is basically what you're using for navigation versus oh, yeah. like uh, a wall's guide or something like that. Yeah, gut hooks is literally saving our lives. Mm-hmm. One of our other family members did have the AWOL book for a little bit and he ended up sending it home because he also had gut hooks and it was just extra weight he was carrying. So gut hooks has definitely been the lifesaver on this trail for us. Now your luxury item is your hammock. Mm-hmm. Danny, what is your luxury item? Um, my uh, It has to be my umbrella. So um, I remember watching Homemade Wanderlust and she recommended an umbrella and I was like, you know what? That is something that I would probably use on trail. So I went out and I bought it before getting on trail. And Molly and the two others, I kind of, <laughs> they ridiculed me for carrying it just, just a little. Just because it was extra weight and they didn't really see the need in it. And um, actually, when we pulled up to Hot Springs, they said in the forecast that it was going to probably rain for the next, like, 10 straight days. 12. 12 straight days. Yeah. Okay. And so um, there was an outfitter there, and they all went up and picked up umbrellas, and I felt totally betrayed. Um, <laughs> but that has that has to be my luxury item. Yeah. It's just too hot out to wear frog togs and or just rain gear in general. So I love using that on the raft. It was perfect to block the sun out. I recommend everybody get it umbrella before coming on the AT. Yeah, I've eaten my words when it comes to the umbrella. It is a really great piece of gear. <laughs> so which umbrella are you using? I have the Gotham Gear, I think Light Flex. I think that's what it's called. Um, okay. And which one do you have? Mine is just an off-brand one. Um, hold on, I'll grab it real quick. It's called the Six Moon Design Silver Shadow. So it's just whatever they had in hot springs in the um, in the outfitter. That's just the only one they had. So that's what I ended up going with. But it works just as well as the Gossamer gear, I would say. The only downside to mine is that it doesn't have a system to attach to your backpack strap like Danny's does. So his has a little clip so you can go handless with it and use your, both your trekking poles. And mine, I had to kind of rig with gear ties a way to hold it in place. But yeah, it works great. I love it. Are they silver on top to reflect or? Yes, they mm-hmm. are silver. Okay. Yep. Nice. What has been each of your most challenging, most difficult time on trail? 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, honestly, yesterday was definitely yeah. the most challenging that I've experienced mentally. I think we were on mile like 35 and we still had almost almost 10 miles to still do. Mm-hmm. I don't think my brain has ever been more shut. I felt like a walking head the entire time. Yeah. It was, it was, it was challenging. It was tough. Um, the hard part about that four state challenge is the hardest section of it is in the last five, six miles. It's just a lot of bouldering and it's a lot of climbing rocks and your feet are already so beaten up um, that you don't really want to keep going. Mm-hmm. So mentally and physically, that was my toughest time. How did you keep going or how did you keep yourself moving forward? Again, having Molly was like the best thing that I could have, like just being able to talk to someone and like distract, distract myself from what was going on in the present moment was uh, definitely, yeah, my saving grace. And what about you, Molly? Um, I would say that I think honestly, one of the harder days for me it's just one day we decided we were going to, we had like six miles left to camp. We were camping at this shelter at the top and there was supposed to be a water source. And I was already overheating with this four mile climb that we had to do right at the end of the day. We had already done like at least 15 miles at that point, And it was just ridiculous climbing. It was boiling outside and I got really overheated and I was not even half a mile into it. It felt like I just couldn't even go on. And Danny sat with me for a while and really stayed right by my side to get me up that hill. And then we got to the top of the hill and the water source was dry and we had to keep going to the next water source. So that was, that was a super hard day because all I wanted to do was lay the pack down and be done. And we had to do like an extra three miles, I think after that, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it definitely does when you've been mentally drained from whatever you've done previously. And again, it was your, your support system. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I commend solo hikers so much yeah. being able to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enough said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What's been each of your best or favorite trail experiences? Oh, the ponies. The ponies in the Grayson Highlands were by far the best experience we'd ever. I, at least for me, it was. I was something I had been looking forward to before we had set foot on the trail because I had a slight horse obsession growing up, and so to be able to see wild, <laughs> wild ponies was just the most amazing thing. They to most people they're really annoying because they won't leave you alone and they try to eat your gear because it's covered in salt. And yes, like it's annoying, but they're so cute and they're so pretty that you can't get mad at them. They're just beautiful. There was one that was um, just white haired and just gorgeous looking and we called him Fabio. <laughs> he was so, so, so annoying. Um, he kept nudging our tent every time we were trying to pitch it and he was eating Molly's wet wipe. Yeah. It was just a mess. But yeah, they were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that whole area that Grayson Highlands state park and the little bit of the mountain that's right before it in that wilderness is beautiful it looks like you're in the shire basically it's really beautiful and we got the weather where it was a little overcast and cloudy and then the sun came out so we got to see it in two very different lights which was really cool so that whole experience was just the best for me yeah were there many baby ponies i guess foals 
there was one that was there right where we were camping that I got pictures of, which was so cool. I've never seen anything like that. Super beautiful and just spunky, honestly, is the word I would use to describe him. You could see him hopping above the, the grass as he was going down the trail, just so full of life. It was so cool. He's a little troublemaker. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> For me, um, the best moment so far oh, had to be in the Shenandoahs. It's not actually a part of the Appalachian Trail, but it's a little blue blazed side trail that goes up to Hawksbill Summit. And um, my acapella group back, or our acapella group back in college, we used to take like a retreat at the end of the year. And for two years straight, we went down to the Shenandoahs and we like rented a cabin and we did that hike two years in a row. And to walk all the way from Amicola State Park all the way back up there was a real surreal moment. Mm -hmm. And it was just very emotional for me. Could you feel the rest of your, your team around you as you were walking? Yes, absolutely. And it was just, it was cool that we came at it from a different angle too. So to see the summit from a different angle was, was mm-hmm. really cool. When you're walking in areas like that, does it kind of feel a little bit deja vu-esque? Yes, absolutely. The same thing with when we were in the Smoky Mountains and we uh, got up to Clingman's Dome. And that was actually, that was a weird moment because I guess um, road to Clingman's Dome was closed. So the general public is usually flooding that area. Um, but it was completely empty aside from uh, AT3 hikers or section hikers, I guess. And so uh, her, I, and um, Kyle and Corey, the other two in our family, were the only four up there. And so that was a super surreal moment for mm-hmm. all of us. I think Carly Bunyan was a crazy moment, too, because that was one of the first hard hikes Danny and I had ever done on our spring break. And I remember being so exhausted climbing and back to that parking lot. And then we just, we breathed through that whole hike and it was crazy to see how much time it took us then compared to now. So that was a really cool moment. Has this experience so far opened your eyes to what you can do, what you can accomplish? Yes. Yes. Just again, seeing some of the day hikers at the major trailheads and us zooming past them, not even to brag, just, just packed on something that we never thought we would be able to do. And mm-hmm. um, just how physically different we are from when we first started is pretty crazy. Yeah. I think there was one, when we were trying to get into, I think it was Marion, Virginia, we did a four and a half mile per hour pace for, I think almost 10 miles, which I didn't think was even humanly possible for my body at all ever in its life. <laughs> and that was just, crazy it's wild to see what your body can accomplish and also mentally i think how far you can push yourself when you need to yes absolutely what has the trail taught you so far Mm. um at least for me is to be kind to my own mind and you have just so much time out here to really reflect and to not be so distracted by everyday life and by your phone and by everything in general and so you have just a lot of time to reflect and think about anything and everything. And a lot of times that can turn into negativity when, you know, you're pissed off at a mountain or you're, you're mad about a climb you're about to do. So just being kind to yourself and being gentle and also not breaking, um, breaking the habit of it needs to be a certain type of way, like over planning Mm -hmm. is definitely something I did before the trail 
And so whenever we get to a town, we're always like, all right, we're going to do 80, 90 miles in this next stretch. And every day we're going to plan out. And honestly, it never pans out that way. And so to really kind of be a little bit more um, spontaneous is definitely something I have also learned on this trail. I think learning how to let go and let whatever happens on the trail happen is a really big lesson. Because like we've said before, nothing goes quite as what you think (laughs) it is or quite how you plan it. And so, yeah, for someone who like me, who likes to kind of have control and plan things, learning how to let that go is a hard lesson, but a really good lesson to learn. I think that plus just being present, because like you said, we've, you're in the woods constantly, you have just you and your thoughts and learning how to be present in the moment instead of constantly worrying about other things or being distracted is a really, really good thing to learn. I feel like behind both of those stories, when you're talking about not planning as much or letting it be what it's going to be. I feel like in the back of that, there's a story about from both of you guys where there was a temper tantrum or something of some sort that when you guys had planned something that it didn't go what you were thinking it was supposed to go and you just had a little meltdown. And then all of a sudden it was sort of like a release. (laughs) Oh yeah. I would say this last stretch, not the very last stretch we did, but the one into Waynesboro, Virginia, right before you enter the Shenandoahs, we we were really tired. We had done a really long day and we had planned to camp right before going up this super insane climb. We'd already done like four 3000 foot climbs. And this was the last one. And one of our trail family members decided, they said, Oh, Hey, there's this blue blaze. It cuts off four miles. Why don't we do it? And any of the blue blazes on gut hooks, you can't look at the elevation. So you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. And this was at the end of the day. And there was supposed to be a waterfall you could camp at halfway through this blue blaze. So we said, you know what? That's what we'll do. It'll be nice. It'll change the scenery. Get all the way. Climb up this ridiculously steep hill right to go right back down into a gorge where the waterfall is. We get there and the whole place is packed and there is nowhere to camp. <laughs> and we had done like 20 miles already and had to do another four out of the gorge so climbing up that steep hill going all the way down and having to immediately when you think you're done climb all the way back up out of that that yeah I lost it a little bit on that day I was super dehydrated and tired and hungry and I just wanted to go to bed and then had to hike another four miles and after that you know you got to let it go. And I, I think I'm slowly getting there, but that was, that was a big moment for me. <laughs> um, at least for myself, when we got back out on trail, I think we kind of said we have a five month deadline to get this done if we want to do a traditional northbound through hike. And so to all of us, I think mileage was like the most important thing in our heads. Um, and then when we had to get off because of the tropical storms, we were at Four Pines Hostel and we met this really, really cool through hiker. Her name was Edge. And she like pretty much sat me down and, and said, um, everyone is out here for a different reason and everyone's here to do a different thing and to get better personally in different aspects. But if all you're worried about is upping your miles every single day, that you're not experiencing the trail, you are, the trail is testing you. And so, um, Instead of um, upping the mileage, just really be able to take in what the trail is saying and take in just the little moments every single day that happen. And um, yeah, that really stuck with me. Your your teacher arrived when you needed her? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she was awesome. 
Is there anything that we should talk about that we haven't yet? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, The only thing I think is just how caring and just driving home the fact how caring and generous this community is, even during a pandemic. It's it's just been so wonderful. And I think a lot of the hostels that we've come across, they've been even more personal because there aren't as many people there. And so you get a very intimate experience with the people that you're coming in contact with, with whether that be a trail angel, the person that's running the hostel, another through hiker, everyone is so caring and so loving and encouraging out here. And that's really what the community of this is all about. And so that has just been so beautiful to see. Yeah, and also um, when we initially started the YouTube channel, I guess it was mostly for friends and family to see what we're doing because if you're not doing this, you most likely have no idea what a through hike mm-hmm. is <laughs> and why people decide to do it. But when we got back out um, on trail, we really wanted to change it into something that makes people realize that even during a, a moment of crisis, that there is still so much support out and there still is a community out there willing to help. Yeah. I just really want to drive that across. Yeah. yeah I, I, I guess there's, the people are still there mm-hmm. yeah. when you need them. And I think that's the thing that the trail seems to propagate. Yeah. yeah. The trail provides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, I guess in that vein though, like what, what have each of you been most surprised at the trail providing? Hmm. Um, people that just kind of drop their everyday life to come and help you. I know we were out in, um, we were in Bland, Virginia, which is like the most, the tiniest little town in Virginia. And Molly reached out on Facebook, was it? Just yeah. randomly out in the world of Facebook to see if anyone was willing to help us. And um, um, a random guy showed up. I forget his trail name. R. Dot and Hermit. Yeah, I I needed to get into Bland, Virginia at a resupply box in there. Originally, we had planned to go into that town, but at the point of where we were, we decided that we were going to skip the town. So I still needed to get my box, and I put out on the still uh, one of the Facebook pages that I needed a ride into Bland. Could anybody help? Because there were no shuttle drivers listed on gut hooks, and these two guys that section hiked together in the past years were part of the page. They weren't even hiking the trail this year and he commented and messaged me and said hey like I can pick you up let me get just make sure that my friend with this truck is available and they picked us up and drove us all the way into the town let us resupply not only pick up a box go to the general store that was there and then back to the trail and I think that was such a wonderful out of the blue kind of help that we needed that we got and since we're both from North Jersey um, acts of kindness like that don't really come around the metropolis area. Mm-hmm. And so this is definitely um, a restoration of faith in, in people in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just another experience that we had, we were, um, before going into Glasgow, Virginia, we were sitting eating lunch at a parking lot and this truck drove by us and the truck breathes by us. And then we hear the tires like screech to a halt and then the truck backs up. And at this point I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, who are these people? What is going on? And the guy rolls down his window and says, Hey, I just finished feeding my construction crew. I have hot dogs and burgers and sodas. Do you guys want some? Not even like before even asked, we were through hiking, just offering us food, which is such a random act of kindness. That was so encouraging. 
the trail angels that don't even realize they're trail angels mm -hmm. are the best on trail. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you guys look like hiker trash. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> when you float backpack full of stuff all over a parking lot, people start to wonder, I think. <laughs> yeah. Has living out of a backpack for so many weeks, months, changed the way you look at stuff, at your stuff? Yes, completely. I think it's really cool to be able to carry everything you need right on your back and not need more than that. I was a pretty materialistic person when I was at home and maybe I still will be when I go home, but like uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely a very liberating feel feeling to be able to walk around with just essentials on your back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where can people find you or where should they find you to follow this continuing adventure that is the AT this year? Absolutely. So we have a YouTube channel going by Let's Trek Together. And that's the same thing as Instagram, Let's Trek Together, and Facebook. We also have a website. Um, it's letstrektogether.wixsite.com. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, that website's a little behind, but I'm trying to blog a bit about each day on trail. So that is very behind, but I'm trying to write because it's something that I think is cool to get to capture some of the stories that we don't necessarily get on camera. So that's very back in, I would say, I think we just entered Damascus in my blog posts that are published, but they're still fun for me to write. So we have that as well. You wanted another job while you were out there. Yeah, apparently I did. Yeah. <laughs> How has your family reacted to you guys being out there? So my dad personally has health complications and my mom is a nurse at a hospital in North Jersey. So Honestly, I think they're happy that I'm out of the house and kind of moved up. They're super supportive, super, super supportive. Uh, in the beginning, they really weren't. They were very job-driven, and I totally understand that. But um, I guess seeing how fast we're going, when, a, when someone doesn't realize how fast you can go from Georgia to Maine, I think they're very surprised that we're already in Pennsylvania, one state away from home. So they've been just a great support, being able mm -hmm. to talk out all of our feelings. Yeah, I couldn't have done this without, well, I could have, but it's such a big help. My mom is sending my resupply boxes out for me. And if I didn't have those in some of the towns we're coming across, like, it would be tough. So thank you to my mother for doing that. And just being able to talk to them about everything going on when you get into a town, I think is a very big mental boost. So yeah, they're supportive. Yeah. But they probably were looking at you a little cross-eyed going, what, what are you doing? What do you oh, yeah. Well, the first time I told my dad that I was going to do this, he was like, you backpacked once over a weekend. What are you getting yourself into? <laughs> He's like, you know, it's hard, right? And I was like, yes, dad, I know it's hard. And my mom's reaction was, how are you going to carry all that food to last you the entire <laughs> Let the education begin. Oh, yep. yeah. <laughs> do either of you have any special diets? No, no. It's the normal hiker trash food. I am carrying a lot of dehydrated food. I went crazy with a food dehydrator I had at home uh, the last like month before I went out on trail. So I'm doing a little bit of that. And I'll probably do more of that when I get home to Jersey. When we take a day or two off, I might dehydrate some more food. But other than that, it's really just, you know, ramens and tuna packets, yep. <laughs> all, that, all those goodies. <laughs> all the exciting stuff. Is there anything at this point that you just can never eat again. Oh, the mashed potatoes. potatoes. <laughs> oh. 
It's so gross. I think I had them twice, and that was it. Like, I could not stomach them. And the worst that. part is Molly's resupply boxes have a bunch of mashed potatoes in it. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the first thing we're throwing out every time she gets a box. <laughs> Show notes and links for Molly and Danny's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Molly and Danny for sharing their stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>